0: Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick live from Las Vegas in my VR shop, and it's another episode of the Detailed Car Collection. We got an interesting show today. We got to talk about a product launch, but I want to get started today talking about Amelia Island, one of the big auctions of the year. Uh, it's always always comes after Scottsdale, and we got some interesting data. We got some interesting points. The market seems hot to a lot of people that have never watched many auctions, and I know that we've talked about it on this uh, detailed car collection episode before. Know be careful who you listen to. Uh, when it comes to these types of cars, these types of auctions, you can't take it year by year. You really need to look at data across the board over a five, 10, 20-year period. So let's run through some things that took place. The auctions did a total of 127 million dollars, which many people celebrated over the weekend in the car world. But look, 2016, these auctions did 140 million. So what do we see from that number? Growth has slowed. We've started to see a plateau. Certain parts of the market are obviously very, very hot. There's no reason to say otherwise. People get really, really bent out of shape when, when you tell the truth about this stuff, but there's going to be things that show that parts of the, the, the collector car market are extremely hot still, but you're gonna see that overall, we're starting to see some signs that some things are slowing down. Uh, you had a couple F40s Ferraris sell it's always a big deal. Those are special cars. Uh, you also saw a lot of pre-auction and private sales go through. Uh, you would have to kind of be uh, in tune with that market, but I think some Porsche 959s exchanged hands privately. You had uh, you know, some other things that I was made aware of that, that, that exchanged hands for some pretty significant money. Now, 1937, Talbot Lago. It's an Art Deco car takes home the grand prize of a thirteen point four million dollar sale. You had a nineteen fifty five Porsche five fifty Spider sell for four point two million. That was the second place car. Let's run through some more modern cars. You had a fifteen La Ferrari go for three point six. You had a twenty twenty McLaren Speedtail Coupe go for two seven. Then you had a Bugatti Chiron. 19 3.36 to me those numbers are pretty in line you know people here you know la ferrari to me is still a special vehicle that'll always carry weight that number may come down quite a bit as the economy starts to tighten here you might see that go for two five two one uh but you know three six is a fair price for the market we're in today bugatti's it is what it is that's the price uh Speedtail, 2.7 million you know that's a really cool car I see why that happened, but I'm going to share one of the results, a 1967 Toyota 2000 GT coupe went for 2.5 million and it was now the largest Japanese sale of all time. I I think that's pretty cool. You know, that's not something that a lot of people are going to talk about. It wasn't certainly something that was brought up to me uh, when I started digging through the information from the auction. To have that be the number one Japanese sale of all time, I think that's pretty cool. Now, would I want to own a 1967 2000 GT from Toyota? No, but uh, it's definitely collectible. It's one of those cars that's going to be interesting to see its trajectory. This would be a car that I would highlight, and I'll tell you right now, this is now highlighted uh, in my research from here on out. I'm going to really be interested to see what these Japanese type of cars do. You know, Skylines, those type of things. What is that market going to be? Because they're special to a certain group. And we have a big sale here in Vegas. A, a, a JDM rental company is selling a bunch of these types of Skylines, GTRs, those types of things. So this Toyota sale to me was was very, very eye-opening. What, what a cool thing to go to sale and, and, and to have that number. Look, the Porsche market is still hot. I think they sold 100% of every Porsche that was out there. They had some record sales uh, from some builders and and whatnot. Uh, I think there were some detailers involved in in some of those sales. Look, you're buying high on Porsche, plain and simple. If you you think you aren't, uh, it's all good. You know, I love Porsche. I love that 959s are changing hands and those types of things. But, you know, if you don't think you're buying high, I just don't think that's real. The Porsche market is just hot as can be. And, and it stayed that way through Amelia Island. Let's go through some numbers that are going to slip through the cracks and people are going to bring up this $127 million auction and they're going to say, everything's back, everything's fine, everything's good. Well, I've done this a very long time, been following this for about 20 plus years. Let's talk a little bit about this, this collector car market. You had 25% of all the cars didn't sell uh, and didn't meet their reserve. That's up from thirteen percent at Scottsdale just a month or so ago, a couple months ago. So, what's that tell me? Well, you had two things happen when you look at the numbers. Number one, the auctions, auction houses did a poor job uh, on these. On these, pardon me, did a did a did a poor job uh, pricing a lot of these cars. They allowed the seller to go way above on their reserve. There were some of these cars that were bid for very, very fair price uh, in excellent condition. Uh, So the auction house, the seller, everybody together kind of had a problem here. The next part of it is, you had a second part that always starts to happen is, everyone wants to look at the big sales at the top of the market, but you need to start looking at these sales you know, middle tier sales, lower tier sales at these auctions, when those start to fall, then you're going to see the rest of the market start to fall. And I think that's what you're seeing. There's no doubt that the market is cooling. Uh, Is it cooling quickly? No, Uh, but it's cooling for sure. Uh, Don't look at Porsches or Sharon's or La Ferraris and go, oh, look, the auction market is strong. Those cars are always going to sell for a lot of money. Porsches, this is why I say right now, guys are getting caught up in the Porsche world. Porsches with really, really questionable histories sold in this auction, really questionable histories. For them to sell for the price they did, those people are going to have a real problem when the market hits the skids because you don't buy questionable things at auction for a premium price. And that's what people are doing in the Porsche market. Congrats to everybody cashing in on it. You know, I hope everybody that, that, that's in the Porsche market is finding a way to cash in. But let's be very frank. The Porsche market is, is, is completely out of whack. This has happened before, not with Porsche, but with other manufacturers. It's all good. It's going to come back to earth. Uh, I just had three conversations in the past week or so about guys wanting to get in, what they should do in the Porsche market, and I said, sit tight. You know, as gas goes up, as things start to pinch on the economy, we're going to see this this stuff with the Porsche nonsense start to fade. Uh, there's great Porsches that are elite level cars that absolutely should sell for big money, but when you have questionable Porsche models and questionable histories of cars, and they're selling for premium dollar, that's what you call a bubble, and bubbles always burst. So, I said this as I think the first episode I ever did. In-person auctions are not dead. They're still doing incredible numbers. I knew a lot of people that were down at Amelia Island. I've been to that auction probably 10 or 11 times in my life. It's a special thing. And, and again, people love events. I actually think Amelia Island in person does a much better job of Scott, than Scottsdale does, but it's a different crowd. They're going after different people. I think that's what Scottsdale is going to have to start doing as the muscle car market starts to weaken, but we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm right. They're wrong. I guess that'll play out. So overall, I am giving my clients a hold pattern type of conversation because I think the next few sales that we see, you're going to see this thing start to weaken And the problem in the collector car market is if they see weakness, you can get panic in that market. So you can see a flood of cars come onto the market, guys and gals feeling like they missed out. We're going to see what happens here. If the stuff around the world doesn't get any better, you're going to see a real pinch on the collector car market. Again, special vehicles are always going to sell for a lot of money. Don't look at just that. Second part of today's episode is real, real exciting for me. Okay. So, I'm somebody that has transitioned his business to using things that aren't exactly APCs all the time uh, to clean interiors. So, I've always liked these more well balanced interior cleaners uh, that companies tried to come out with. They all kind of left me wanting more. We're ready to announce. Many of you know we've been working on this product a long time. And It's a product that I'm extremely, extremely proud of. It's hyper clean revive. It's a quick interior cleaner. This is a cleaner that is so universal, so good that this is the one product my team of guys has been most mad we've been out of while we were finishing up development. Of our coatings, of Fuego, of all of those different things, here's the reality my guys have been waiting on Revive and bothering me about Revive more than any product that we have in development. This product is designed for modern interiors and the complexity that we face as detailers with all the different surfaces in a modern car. You have plastics, you have vinyls, you have leather, you have rubber, you have piano trim, and now you have massive screens going from end to end on the front of, front end of your car. Look at the Porsche Taycan as an example. That screen goes from one side of the car to the other without a brake, basically. And so now we have to face the fact that we need a product that's great on screens, but can also clean dirty leather, also can clean up a steering wheel, can get the baby seat clean in the back, can clean up this, can can clean up this plastic can clean up this door handle can it's really becoming complex of what manufacturers are doing inside the car so hyper clean revive is really about that designing something that works well universal but has a really really insane finish to it what i mean by that is there's no residue left behind it gives you nice matte finish and when you do when you use it on screens You'll see, give a couple spritzes on a towel, wipe the screen, flip it over, buff it, it is spotless and it's bright and there's no streaking, which we have fought in my business with interior products since the screen came out. Don't have to do that anymore. You want a clean leather seat, then you want to hop and you want to clean the screen, you know, on a tie can end to end couple spritzes on the towel, wipe it, flip it over to a dry side, buff it. Your screen is golden. You've cleaned the leather. You've cleaned the screen. You've cleaned the the, the steering wheel. You've cleaned the, the gauges. Uh, in, in older cars, this is a universal product. It has an insane cleaning power. So where guys are going to love this product is when you agitate it, okay? If you are somebody that uses a brush if you're somebody that uses some type of scrub pad, uh, you know type of, of of microfiber scrub, you know pads that we see coming out, this product's for you. It's going to foam. It's going to clean. It's going to give you all kinds of action. This is the best interior cleaner on the market. It's not close. The next thing is the smell is great. Okay, we did not want. An overpowering smell. We didn't want an additive smell. We didn't want it to feel fake. We wanted it to feel like what was in the product. So when you look at the makeup of this product, it, it's a very, very clean product. So it smells clean. It doesn't leave an odor behind. So you get into your client's car, you know anybody with a nice vehicle does not want a heavy smell left behind as, as that I' found in my business and most of yours. So you get in, you clean the car up. It leaves a very clean and fresh smell. It doesn't feel fake. You know, you got a lot of cleaners on the market where they're trying to add a scent. We didn't have to add a scent. The, the products we used and we designed this, this this chemical with provide a very, very clean, simple smell. I think most of you will just find that it's insane. And it's a great, great smell on that product. The one thing I love about this product is it leaves nothing behind. It's a pure cleaner. So if you want to come in afterwards and use an LVP product, you want to use uh, some type of of protectant, you want to use anything like that, this product's not going to stand in your way. All too often what I see in interior products is they're trying to do too much. And then when they try to do too much, you can't wipe a screen because the the chemicals that you need to leave that, that, that protection behind really affect you wiping a navigation screen really affect you wiping piano black trim, okay? So what you want in an interior detailer, in my estimation, in my my belief system, is you want something that leaves the surface as clean as possible with no residue. There's gonna be no residue. And again, even if you use too heavy of an APC, you'll get in there and you'll kind of see that film on a seat, that little white, kind of like, like whitish, you'd have to look real hard, but I'm very particular about how I like interiors, You get that really, really, really weird uh, residue that starts popping up. This is residue free. It is unbelievable. It's the product I'm telling you my guys are begging for the most. Of any product that they test and try and whatever, this was the product that's been a home run. This is a product that we have to get back in stock at at my business because these guys won't get off my back. It's, It's a really great product, and I'm sure you're all going to enjoy it. Look for the launch. Okay. We're, we're going to be launching this product sometime next week. Okay. But look for the launch. We're going to be doing some stuff on Instagram. We're going to be doing some stuff on the episodes. You're going to hear about it a little bit more. This is a product we're proud of. I hope everyone has a great weekend and look out for hyper clean revive. I'll talk to you guys next week.